All right, here we go. Now we've got some technical things figured out. We're out here live at Colts camp. The practice has ended for the day. Uh, the offense, a little bit behind the defense in the red zone. There's nothing wrong with that. That's expected. The, the, as Frank Reich explained it, these guys, they for red zone, they install week to week. They install specific offenses and specific schemes to attack a specific defense. And that they don't do that in camp. They just go, they run their stuff, and the defense is going to be ahead. So you, you had really good coverage, and that's one of the tough things about going to camp and trying to evaluate what this team's going to be. Because what you've got, you've got a bunch of, of defensive players matched up with a bunch of offensive players, both playing for the same team, and judging the Colts' offense against the Colts' defense and the Colts' defense against Colts' offense is really, really difficult. It is a tough thing to do. It's tough to see who's ahead of who and what does that mean. Does that mean if the defense was ahead of the offense as it was today, does that mean that the defense is going to be really good or does that mean that the offense is going to be not so good? You know what I mean? It's tough to see one way or the other exactly the way that's going to work. So you, uh, you hope for the best. We've got about a week and a half until the preseason opener. That's a week from Saturday. And, and then we'll get to see a little bit, but we still won't see exactly what this thing's going to look like. Getting it up on its legs and, and putting it out on the field on September 11th in Houston. That's a long way away. we got about six weeks until the season opener, and the Colts have got to open hot. And, and we'll see if that's able to happen. You know, I, I think that the Colts receiver core is a little bit ahead of what people might have thought it would be. Because, you know, everybody's healthy, right? If you've got a healthy Paris Campbell, you have a weapon that is dynamic. And if you've got Alec Pierce figuring things out, as he seems to be, you've got a guy who's going to be a really good weapon, especially in the red zone, because the guy can run a corner route as long as he can get a release off the line, which is what he's learning facing absolutely one of the best press corners in the NFL and Stephon Gilmore. So it's, it, it, you know, it, we get nauseated by the phrase iron sharpens iron, right? That goes back to Chuck Pagano's days. We heard it every single week for, you know, how many years, 2012 through 2017. All we heard was iron sharpens iron. Well, you know what? Here, it kind of does. Yannick Ngakwe working against Matt Pryor and against Bernard Ryman, that is, that's going to work out. That's going to be a good thing. That is iron sharpening iron. That is a positive for the Colts, iron sharpening iron, right? Ngakwe, one of the best edge rushers in the National Football League, going up against guys who are paid to keep really good edge rushers away from Matt Ryan. And then on the other side, you've got Stephon Gilmore, one of the best press corners and really a good zone too, going up against young guys like uh, Alec Pierce, and those guys have been matched up quite a bit, although Frank Reich said today that it's not by design that they're matched up. Those guys are playing hard against each other, and so Alec Pierce is learning how to play the position of wide receiver and get a release off the line from a guy who is one of the best at preventing that in the National Football League. That's what camp is all about. And who wins on a, on a given day is not nearly as important as who wins once we get to September 11th and September 18th because this team, this Colts team, has got to find a way to win early.
They've got to go 2-0 on the road for the first time since 1977. Now, that it, it doesn't happen every year that they open with two road games, right? So that's one thing. You know, it, they don't do it every year. So saying going back to 1977, that doesn't mean, you know, 45 years in a row they've failed to win their first two games on the road. It means that if they are scheduled to play two road games in weeks one and week two, right, they haven't won those consecutively since 1977. Uh, they haven't won their first two games, period, since 2009, when they won their first 14. And we all remember that debacle against the uh, New York Jets, remember, at Lucas Oil Stadium when uh, Peyton Manning, fuming, had his helmet on as Curtis Painter took the field in the second half about midway through the third quarter against the New York Jets. They were not happy. The Colts were not happy. They went on to lose the Super Bowl that year, and the point was to get to the Super Bowl. People will always castigate Bill Pullian for that decision, and rightly so. But at any rate, 2009, the last started 2-0. Last time they won their opener was 2013. So they're doing everything they can to try to get ready early, but maintain their health so that throughout the season, 17 games is a long time. You got to play well for 17 games in order to make this thing work. And that's what this this group is trying to get done without sacrificing what they're going to be able to do in the first two. If you've got a comment, if you uh, activate yourself as a caller and as I take you, make sure that you unmute yourself and uh, we'll talk football as, as we always do on call in. We're doing these live from Colts camp because you know what? And if you're at camp, why wouldn't you do that, right? Um, fun to watch. And, and fun to, you know, I spend a lot of time with uh, Rick Venturi, who is the interim head coach here with the Colts and the defensive coordinator for a long time. He knows football, and he knows the guys who coach football, and he knows the guys who play. He continues to prepare himself to, uh, you know, as though he's a coach, as he prepares himself to be the radio analyst for the Colts network, right? And and so sitting with Rick and, and picking his brain about what we're looking at from a defensive standpoint, especially in the secondary and among the linebackers, is really fascinating to me. And, and what he is enamored of so far, and I don't blame him, is the safety play. If you've got Nick Cross and you've got Julian Blackman, you've got a couple of safeties who can flat get after it. And that's what this team wants to do on the back end of that defense. It, it, we remember Russ Bradley as the leader of the, the Legion of Boom, right? He was the coach who, who kind of put that together for the Seahawks. And they would like to mirror that here, get to the quarterback early and often, and then hold the fort on the back end with a really good group of, uh, of guys in the secondary. So let's, uh, let's talk to Gary. Gary, how you doing? Make sure and unmute yourself. How you doing this afternoon? All right, boss. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I have nothing but fun. It's wonderful to come out here and uh, and watch your Colts go to work. I'm uh, I'm pretty super excited about actually being able to uh, be live on one of your calling shows. It always seems like I'm at work uh, whenever you're going live, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Well, I'm glad uh, you're here. My uh, my question is is that I'm looking forward to the next you know eight regular season games. First one against Kansas City. My son and I will be there. You are the boots on the ground. 
Uh, that's why I tune into the show. So it seems like we got a, a, a little bit of everything as far as new pieces. It seems like we have new coaches that are coming in, whether it's Fox, Bradley, Wayne. Uh, it seems like we got a handful of new players uh, that are making some headlines already as far as like Nick Cross, Alec Pierce, uh, and even guys like a, uh, Dio Dangbo, who we haven't really seen, you know, up to their full potential yet, as well as these new rookies, as well as, you know, a couple veteran players as in Matt Ryan, you know, Stephon Gilmore and Yannick Ngakwe. Do you feel like they're already starting to develop a chemistry that uh, not only is I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody's feeling each other out, but does it seem like they're developing that sense that, that chemistry that just seems like, yeah, we got something special here. Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I'll I'll give you this as an answer. We just talked to Matt Ryan a few minutes ago, and Matt said one of the things that the guys have to do, the receivers, they got to take a deep breath and relax a little bit. Reggie Wayne, when we talked to him yesterday, the new wide receivers coach, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer, played 14 seasons with the Colts. He said that Alec Pierce, relax, take a deep breath, and understand you don't have to be perfect every snap. So I, I think that this this is a group that is is so well-meaning and, and is so uh, precise in what they want to be able to do and how they feel they need to kind of behave and, and play as members of this team. I, I think that these guys, at some point, they got to kind of just relax and, and let it go. And I think that's what this camp is all about, finding a way that by September 11th, they're able to relax, let it go, play fast without thinking, but I don't think that they're there yet. And, and that's, that's where they've got to go. It's been a week, right? Uh, the open camp first workout was last Wednesday. This is Tuesday. They've had seven days. They've had four workouts. And so it's going to be a work in progress. Um, the new coaches you mentioned, I love, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're terrific. If you've got Nate Ali and you've got Richard Smith and Ron Miles on the back end of the defense, Mike Mitchell as an assistant DB's coach and Cato June as an assistant linebackers coach, I think you've made, and Gus Bradley is the defensive coordinator, I think you've really elevated your game from a, from a tactical position. And when you've got Ron Miles, a guy like that, teaching the, the quarterbacks and safeties how to play with their hands, where to put their feet, and the tactical stuff that needs to happen for DBs to play at a high level, I, I think you got a real chance. Um, the one, uh, the one uh, player that I have like my eye on, just because I, you know, I will uh, eventually, is uh, Nick Cross. Does he remind you of Bob Sanders in any way, shape, or form? Not really. Um, two completely different players. Bob Sanders was a wrecking machine, right? Bob Sanders hit guys hard and, and was a torpedo toward the ball and the ball carrier. Nick Cross is really, really good, and, and he's a guy who can scoot. He is a really fast player on the, on the back. Normally, what you've got is a strong and Nick Cross is going to play more strong than he plays free. You've got a guy like Kari Willis who, who's okay fast, but is a guy who's going to stick his nose in and stop the run. And Nick Cross is a guy who's going to be able to defend both the run and the pass. He's going to be able to drop back and go too high with Julian Blackman and be able to cover his half of the field. And Nick Cross is going to be a really, really good safety in the NFL. Bob Sanders, when healthy, 
was always a danger to be the defensive player of the year as he was in 2007. So those two guys are uh, are a little bit different, but um, in fact, they're quite a bit different. Thanks for the call, Gary. I appreciate it. Smart call. Uh, but Nick Cross, 96 overall draft pick. I, he went 96 toward the end of the third round. And, and he's a guy who, for all the world, looks like he should have been taken much, much earlier. He's very, very smart. He's very diligent. And one thing that's interesting that I didn't know, he and Rodney McLeod went to the same high school. They both went to DeMatha. At Cross went to DeMatha and then went to Maryland. Rodney McLeod came out as a uh, drafted free agent in 2012, went to the St. Louis Rams, and has really put together a nice NFL career. This is his 11th year, and he's a guy who actually held a camp uh, for guys in the DeMatha area, and the first camp that Nick Cross went to as a player when he was in the eighth grade was Rodney McLeod's camp. So, you know, that's uh, you, you talk about a small world, this is a small world, and, and the Colts are uh, – and, and the thing that I really like about the Colts, and this is true about a lot of teams, but they seem genuinely invested in the development of, of their teammates. It's really, really it, – it's kind of nice. They take their time to explain stuff to each other, and that's within position groups. So, you know, if you've got a guy like uh, Michael Pittman Jr. who's kind of talking to Ashton Doolin – you know, you got guys who are going to be fighting a little bit for targets, right? Or you would think would be fighting for targets. Guys seem much more wired into winning than they are into anything else. Uh, they they understand the concept of being a member of a team. And, and I think that that's what Chris Ballard has done. And that's one of the virtues that he looks for as he either signs free agents or evaluates people for the draft. He looks for people who are going to be team first, and and that's what you got. And and I hope this winds up being successful, because if it is, you wind people are going to do this everywhere, right? And it's not going to be about self centeredness. It's not going to be about star building and brand building, and hey, uh, me, I got to get mine, right? It's going to be about we we got to get ours, meaning wins, and and that I think is what. Ballard's trying to put together here, and I think it's honorable. I don't know if it works. Like, you also have to be fast. You also have to be willing to stick your nose in and put your body in harm's way in order to play tackle football successfully. But this is a, uh, it's kind of, to me, it's a bit of a sociological experiment. I've never seen a team put together like this, and I've never seen a GM try to do it. You know, you see a lot of GMs, who are win, uh, you know, just win baby guys. And, uh, you know, this is kind of fun. So uh, let's talk to Paul. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good, Ken. How are you? I couldn't be better. I love it. Out here watching football is about as much fun as I can have. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and, and thank you for the updates every day. It's just exciting and informative and, uh, you know, keeps us out of state, guys up to snuff on everything, and, and I appreciate it. Um, you know, you touch on culture, and I know sometimes it can almost be frustrating to see that the, the culture that they built is a healthy one. It's a good one. It's, uh, you know, it just mutually lifts up the players and the coaches and the staff, and, and we get impatient about um, not having the winning along with it. 
Well, you know, I think we have to remember there's there's teams across the league that are they're missing the Lombardi too that they want so bad. Yep. But they but they have the drama as well. And I mean, it, as far as I'm concerned, I've been watching this since I've been a Colts fan since 1962. Okay, if 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 you don't have the drama going on, it's one less thing to scoot out of the way and take care of business with. So I really do appreciate what they've done, and hopefully we can just snag that Lombardi here in the next year or two, and 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 just enjoy the whole the fullness of it, kind of like we did when Tony Dungy and uh, Peyton and then that. Uh, chapter of uh, the Colts team brought it to us. So, you know, you know, if anybody's not been a fan for so long, hang in there, you know, Uh, this is, it's always a long haul with this and, you know, but anyway, my two Paul. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Uh, Good thoughts. And he's right. You know, it's funny though, fans like when, when a team wins, but the character is a little bit shady, People are like, you know what? I don't care about winning so much. We got to get the character of this team right. And when the character right, but they don't win, it's like, okay, character's fine, but we got to win football games. If if you don't win with good character in Indianapolis, people are going to whine and people are going to moan, and and that's just kind of the way it's going to be. This feels like I, I feel like Chris Ballard for a while drafted with a hyper focus on attitude and behavior and character and culture and not so much speed. Now I think what he's done is he's adjusted and he's bringing guys in with speed who also have carry. You look at Bernard Ryman. Ryman is a tremendous athlete, really, really good athlete. For two years, he was a tight end at Central Michigan and then became a left tackle. So he's a little bit behind the curve in in regards to his tactical prowess but uh, a guy who's a really good athlete and fast for his position, which is a good thing. Nick Cross, fast. Uh, you know what? Alec Pierce, fast. All the Jelani Woods is a guy who's a tremendous athlete at six seven, and God knows what he weighs. He's not fat, but I, I have no idea. Like a six seven tight end's got to go like two fifty, right? Tremendous athlete. I, I think that. Uh, Ballard has kind of has has kind of moderated or or is kind of adjusted what he's trying to get done. Um, let's talk to uh, let's talk to Andrew. Andrew, how you doing this afternoon? Make sure and unmute yourself. There you go. I'm doing great. Kent. Uh, I just had a quick question for you. Have you saw the team do anything different this year besides their start times? to try to combat these slow starts they've been having year after year? Oh, not really. Uh, um, you know what? But I'm not – like, this isn't – I've never been a – I'm not Rick Venturi. I've never been a defensive coordinator. And uh, But talking to him, you don't really get the sense that a lot is different. Now, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. We don't know what happens in the meeting rooms. We're not sure how that's being adjusted. We do know this. Like, one thing that you can do to hasten your development is work harder, work longer, hit more. But the risk in doing that is that you get guys hurt. And then in December, guys are gassed rather than getting strong. And what's the point if you're good to go in September, but you kind of fall apart in December, even if you make the playoffs and then lose in the first round? 
you know, the, the idea is to win a Lombardi trophy. And the best way to do that is make sure you're playing your best ball in January and then into February, but with an eye also on what happens throughout the 17 regular season games. It's a really tough balancing act to get ready to play early and make sure that you're ready to play late too and that you're peaking in the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a hell of an account. <laughs> if you can get that, you know, you, you figured out the riddle of the Sphinx. And, and, you know, you're doing a Rubik's Cube in about four seconds. You know what I mean? Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. Good to talk to Andrew. And uh, let's talk to Bruce. How you doing, Bruce? Make sure and unmute yourself. There we go. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Cool. Uh, so this might be a little bit off topic. But from the outside looking in, it seems like Reggie Wayne is going to be a very good coach. And I'm wondering, since you're there on the field, have you seen anything from Reggie coaching that makes him stand out from the other positional coaches? Well, I'll tell you, he is very hands-on. Like, he is grabbing guys, and he's talking to them, and he's doing it rep to rep. Uh, although that's that's not uncommon for a guy like Chris Strasser, who's the offensive line coach, or Ron Miles, the DBs coach. They're, they're all kinds of hands-on, kind of putting their arms around guys and giving them guidance. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting was in talking to Michael Pittman Jr. on Saturday night, he said he's never had a coach, period, who is anything like Reggie Wayne, that Reggie is completely unique in doing what he does. And then talking to Frank Reich, he said that Reggie – said that, uh, you know, he was going to have to do it his way. If he was going to come on board and be a coach with the Colts, he was going to have to do things his way. And I it wasn't that. specific about what that meant, but that's what he's doing. And and we'll see how it pays off. I, I They've got a unique problem. Eh, it's a challenge. It's not a problem. But you got Michael Pittman Jr., who I think has established himself as not an elite wide receiver, but as a competent one. Then you've got Alec Pierce, who's a rookie, who flashes and has the length, has the height, has the speed to be really good. And you got Paris Campbell, who's a guy who's played 15 games in his first three seasons and needs to stay healthy and is healthy in camp for the first time, I think, since he was a rookie. And then you've got a bit of a drop-off, whether you're talking about Ashton Doolin or Mike Strawn or Desmond Patman or uh, Kiki Kute, uh, Michael Harris, all these guys are kind of a step beneath those starting three. You got to get those guys ready to take the spot of one of those starting three if any of them go down. At the same time, you've got to try to coach those starting three into elite status. And if you, can, if you can kind of do both of those things while being one man, that receiver room has an opportunity to be a strength for this team rather than what a lot of people believe it's going to be, and that is uh, anything but a strength. Um, so, you know, that Garth, thank you very much for the call, Bruce. I appreciate it. No problem. Yep. Um, let's talk to Jake. How you doing, Jake? Make sure and unmute yourself. Hey, Kent. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I couldn't be better. I mean, this is – are you kidding? Up here in Westfield at Grand Park watching practice and – and talking to the guys and, and trying to figure out what's going on up here is about as much fun as I can have. I wish it could be me. Um, so I just had a quick question. We know practice and football in general is different when the pads come on. So did anyone who had maybe not stuck out so much the first week stick out a little bit more today with pads on? Or 
did anyone continue to stick out? That's a great question. And there are two guys, and they're at a position you would expect. When you put the pads on, linebackers tend to flash a little bit. JoJo Doman, uh, the undrafted rookie out of Nebraska, he kind of flashed. He looked pretty good. Alan Weatherford from Miami of Ohio, who's also an undrafted free agent, and from Hamilton Heights High School up in Cicero in central Indiana, I thought he looked really good, and he was getting some run with the twos. And, and that's a really good thing for him and, and for his, his efforts to try to make this squad either the active roster or the practice squad. You know, he looks pretty good. And then, uh, you know what, EJ Speed. I always think that EJ Speed looks really good. I think he's a good linebacker and would be a really good starting linebacker if he wasn't stuck behind Darius Leonard. Uh, excuse me, Shaquille Leonard. If he wasn't stuck behind Shaquille, I, I think that he would be a really good starting linebacker in the NFL. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Let's talk to Scott. How are you doing this afternoon, Scott? Make sure and unmute yourself. Yeah, you just hit the little pink circle, little red circle, and you're unmuted, and you can talk. And that's the beauty of the call app. And for those of you who haven't uh, subscribed, make sure and subscribe. We appreciate it. Um, Scott, when that rail comes off, I'll stop talking, and, and you can either make your comment or ask your question. Uh, we always appreciate the call. And any of you who are listening and, and want to kind of chime in, feel free. Uh, we enjoy that. That's what this is about. It's about interactivity and fun. It's, it's kind of talk radio without the, without the transmitter and the board and the microphones and, and all the nonsense. The technology is just superb with the, uh, with the call-in app. At any rate, you know, it, Colts camp continues. They got to work out again tomorrow at, uh, at noon, and then they've got to work out Thursday at noon, and then Friday they're off. I think Saturday they're off and they're back at it on Sunday. So uh, Colts so far, Matt. Oh, there's Scott. How you doing, Scott? <laughs> Thanks for being patient. I was pushing everything on the screen. But, uh, <laughs> uh, first, I wanted to thank you because uh, back from when you were on the local radio here, you were my favorite personality. And for you to uh, continue on uh, providing us content uh, twice a day and more often uh, recently, uh, it's a blessing. And uh, uh, your God-given given talents are very much appreciated. Well, that's very nice of you to say. Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, my question is uh, kind of follow-up from the previous guy. He was talking about our first day in pads. And so uh, how did Pryor do and how did Pinter do um, uh, against, uh, uh, you know, well, Pryor was against Ngakwe, I assume. But uh, right. how did that offensive line in particular, those two people, look in their first day with pads? I thought they looked okay. I, I think Matt Pryor is going to be a serviceable left tackle until Bernard Ryman kind of gets ready and, and becomes good enough to be able to take that spot. I think Matt Pryor's kind of a placeholder, no offense to him, but that Ryman's got the upside. You know, you bring a guy like Pryor back to set the floor for the position, and you draft a guy like Ryman to set the ceiling. And, and I think that that's kind of what we saw today. Bernard Ryman has great feet. 
what he's going to have to work on is all the tactical stuff and where to put his hands and how to punch and, and that kind of thing. Uh, Danny Pinter, I don't worry about. So I haven't spent a lot of time watching him. It's kind of odd, though, watching a guy wearing number 63 out here. I got to tell you the truth. I mean, we all remember 63 is Jeff Saturday. So when I see uh, Danny Pinter out there at 63, it's hard for me to kind of process exactly who that is yet. But he's got to be fine. And he had a bunch of guys out here. Uh, the Ball State football team came out today. Danny, of course, a graduate of Ball State. I think he's going to be a terrific right guard and, and a guy who can step in if anything ever happens to Ryan Kelly. God forbid, knock wood. Uh, I think that he's going to be able to kind of slide over, take reps at center, and not see a significant drop-off. So those guys, they both looked really good. Thank you for the call, Scott. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk to Bruce. How you doing this afternoon, Bruce? Make sure and unmute yourself. There you go. So I got a two-part question. Sure. So they're in pads today. Were they running 11 on 11? They did run some 11 on 11. They did uh, red zone 11 on 11 work, and they did some shell seven on seven. Uh, so yeah, they they and they hit. They knocked guys down a little bit. They didn't tackle always, but guys hit the hit the ground. And the so, only guy who I saw get hurt even a little bit, Quiddy Pay, kind of tweaked his ankle, but he was back in there later. Okay, that's good. Uh, so my second part of the question is. Did Matt Ryan have a chance to check it down to Naeem Hines up the sideline or in the flat yet? Oh, there's going on. Naeem Hines is going to get fat numbers this year. If you play fantasy football, draft Naeem Hines. I think he's going to catch between 70 and 80 balls. They're going to give it to him in the red zone. They're going to spell Jonathan Taylor with Naeem Hines. I think Naeem in fact, when we talked to Matt Ryan about, oh, it was a half hour ago, when he, he was talking about the running backs, he said, well, when you have a back like Naheem Hines, and then he stopped himself and said, well, both Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, I, that tells you where Naheem Hines kind of is in the hierarchy of needs for, for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan loves Naheem Hines, and he loves right. Paris Campbell so far. And, and I good. think that that's true for uh, Michael Pittman Jr. too. I think he's trying to figure out how to get all these guys to be productive. They're going to be productive in the aggregate. I would be really surprised if Michael Pittman caught enough balls to get 1,082 yards again this year. I think it's going to be much more like 2020 with Phillip Rivers, not Duncan and Duncan, but spreading the wealth. I think you're going to have games where maybe nine receivers get three balls minimum each. And, and it would surprise me if that didn't happen. I, I, and it's not so much about depth. I, I think that as you looked at the Colts last year, you saw a lot of yards that went ungained because the quarterback last year wasn't willing to check down and, and was kind of trying to pick everything up through the air when mm -hmm. he's got a lot of weapons on the outside who can move the ball, you know, via their ability to run with it. And, and so I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. I used to compare that like uh, Wentz was looking, always looking for the miracle instead of taking the easy. And he made no apologies about it. Like he was like, this is the way I play. Yep. You know, I, I'm always looking downfield and I'm always trying to find the big play. And if the pocket breaks down, I get outside the pocket and try to extend the play until I see somebody flash down the field. Well, sometimes, you know, you, you, if you're in the pocket more than, more than two and a half seconds, you're going to get flushed. 
a lot of the time. And, and that's not the way this offense runs. This yeah. offense runs best when a guy steps back, let first read, not there, check it down, move the sticks, and live to play another day. And Plus, that's yeah. not what the Colts did last year. Yeah, we got so much talent that's spread out, not within the wide receiving group, but throughout the field on our offense, the talent is spread around. That's kind of how you need to deliver the ball. Well, and a lot of people have been critical of the offensive line play last year, but the offensive line play, the kind of lack of ability to protect, I I think Carson Wentz bears a lot of responsibility for that as well. You know, Wentz moving uh, in the pocket where he went. I mean, if you've got your back to the quarterback and you're supposed to protect his ass, you got to be where you're supposed to be or your offensive line is protecting an area where you're not at. And that's a bad situation. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Bruce. No problem. Yep. That's Bruce. And and thanks to everybody who joined us today. We had a good time, as we always do, on the call and app. We'll do this again next week. Looking forward to it. And we do it not uh, – we don't do it at a scheduled time. We do it when news kind of breaks and when we're able to be out here at Colts Camp and kind of see things unique. So we give you unique information and perspective and give you a chance to present your unique information and perspective. So thanks very much. We will talk to you next week. As always, the YouTube channel up and rolling. And uh, we do a video in the morning, a video in the afternoon. And then we put up the uh, the media availabilities for Reich and Ryan. And we'll do that later today. Uh, and feel free either to comment here or you comment uh, on the YouTube channel, and I try to get to all of them. I try to answer all of the serious ones at any rate. But thanks for joining us. Very, very nice of you. We'll talk to you again.